they always end up here. No matter how hard they wrangle and contort the dialogue, they will end up here at God's word. They're just knock, knock, knocking at heaven's door, but alas, they can't come in. This place of holy revelation is only accessed on one's knees. Satan's champions of unbelief have challenged and ridiculed every jot and every tittle of the majority text Holy Bible, but can't claim even a single victory. You can bet their pathetic and dismal record ain't changing tomorrow. From the first chapter, the first verse, carnal academia are upside down and on their ears. They march blindly onward to the last chapter of the book of Revelation where their doom is sealed. No matter how skeptics wrangle around, they end up here. They inadvertently confirm Holy Writ. A beautiful short list of inadvertent confirmations follows. Yes, science postulates that there was light before the sun, just as Genesis 1 reports. Yes, there was a beginning. Yes, man is made out of dirt. Yes, the one common mother of all mankind. Yes, the one common father of all mankind. Yes, the Adam's rib. Yes, the man and dinosaur living contemporaneously. Yes, the giants on the earth. Yes, to Noah's ark and the global flood. Yes, to the Tower of Babel and the world once speaking a common language. Yes, to Abraham. Yes, to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, to Joseph the kingmaker. And imagine, these are just a few confirmations, and we're still in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. When skeptics look deep enough, they end up here. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, as Jesus directs in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Follow me in a simple prompt, and everything will change for you today. Born again means exactly what it says. Born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. It is literal. Today, all of your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, the stranglehold Satan has on you will be broken. You will be free. Follow me from your heart, and everything I promise starts in mere moments. Your eternal, eternal soul excuse me, is in your own hand. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the invisible kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. God said, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God said, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Man said, I'm the captain of my ship. I direct my own course, not some old men making wacky claims of writing the words of God some thousands of years ago. Forget God. Who needs him? Oh, by the way, I'll be gone for a while. I'm taking a sabbatical to find myself. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,114 that will once again contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
All of these word-centric features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used by the redeemed as a soul-winning platform. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. Third John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. This short series will teach Holy Ghost functional knowledge, a knowledge that produces good things, God things, both spiritual and physical. How does it work from molecule to man to every day and everything? How does God interact in a second-by-second, ever-present way in the lives of His redeemed? This short series will tell a wonderful story. Today's science is once again knocking on heaven's door. If that door would open to them, they would simply find God's obedient sons and daughters have been there for thousands of years, fully understanding and participating in their latest discoveries. For those looking for proof, these constant occurrences across all scientific disciplines should settle the score. However, the cold, awkward reality is that most are not looking for proof. Their challenges are a feeble attempt to cover their sins. John 3, chapter, John 3, excuse me, verses 18 and 20, 18, 19 and 20. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Jesus did not get it wrong. Those that love the beautiful book are fully aware that everything is made out of words, things visible and invisible. Romans 1 verse 20, For the visible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hebrews teaches that God created all things by his only begotten Son, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 1, verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Colossians 1, 16 speaks of Christ. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ is given in Revelation 19, 19 verse 13, as the word of God. He is the living word, John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Psalms 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. The Bible says that God spoke all into existence out of that which is invisible with his words. In the very first chapter of the Bible, the phrase, And God said, as in God said, Let there be light, is made ten times. His words of intent, laden with knowledge and wisdom, created it all. The academics laughed at what they saw as uneducated, foolish, and easily led Christians believing such nonsense. Those who have failed to update their unbelief continue to laugh. Unfortunately for the mockers, 
Science's latest discoveries are once again confirming God's Word in the most literal way. The latest discoveries in the field of epigenetics will once again confirm the creation essence of words. Consider some foundational information from previous God said, man said features. Keep in mind as you read or listen to uh, these features that the sins of the mother participate in the general curse as well, for each mother certainly had a father. God said, man said, epigenetics meets Jesus Christ. Kiss inheritance fears goodbye. Everything that exists is made out of words quite literally, and it all begins in the invisible, for instance, even at the molecular level. One example often used here is of the automobile. The example goes like this. Years ago, I was attending my oldest son's Little League baseball game. While there, a conversation arose between another father and me. In that conversation, when the subject of God was broached, the other father curtly informed me that anything I had to say on this matter was just words, as though words had no value. I asked him how he had gotten to the game, and he replied that he had driven there in his car. I then asked, what if I could prove to you that car is simply words? Try it, he challenged, and so I did. Many, many years ago, a man was driving down the road in his horse-drawn buckboard, making a journey that would take the entire day. For perspective, this trip would take less than an hour today. As the man is plodding along, he thinks, Boy, I'd love to have a horseless carriage. Thoughts are silent words. At this point, I stop and ask the father at the game, what we had so far, and he answered, words. Now our man in the buckboard was excited about his word idea, and when he got home, found a tablet and a pencil to draw his word pictures and descriptive instructions, words, on the making of the automobile. All of this was contained on his tablet in words. I stopped my story and asked the father again, what we had so far, and again he answered, words. Our excited inventor ran out into the field with a shovel in hand, and dug up iron ore and various minerals, which were spoken into existence by God's words of intent. The man smelted down the ore and the minerals, and created steel that he then used to build a horseless carriage. When completed, he honked the horn and drove away in his new car of words. At the conclusion of my example, it was clear that the automobile was just words, even at the molecular level. Everything is made of God's words, and it is seen everywhere. Epigenetics will confirm Exodus 34, verse 7, a verse penned 3,500 years ago, to be absolutely accurate. It will also confirm Proverbs 18:21 and a host of other biblical pronouncements. Epigenetics will confirm that the intent of your words will create real results at the body's molecular level, as well as dictate predispositions and do it generationally. Exodus 34, verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This feature on epigenetics will confirm the inerrant supernatural authorship of the Holy Bible. Words are not physical. They are spirit. 
God is a spirit, and all physical things are made of his invisible words. Physical manifestations must follow. Spirit always precedes physical. Some ask, are you talking spiritual, Brother Dave? The answer is, of course, there is no other way. The rest is a futile exercise in vanity. Epigenetics will show how the intent of words dictate outcomes in the physical realm unto the third and fourth generation. Of course, the scriptures will show these outcomes eternally. Listen to what they say. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Light Series, Part 2, Words and Light. How do thoughts, silent words, and spoken words turn into light in the body and produce physical results such as health or disease? The following excerpts are from Dr. Don Colbert's book, Deadly Emotions. We can sum up in one word the basic communication link between what we think in the brain and what we experience in the cells of the body, neuropeptides. Dr. Candace Pert, a noted stress researcher, demonstrated that a certain class of our immune cells, the monocytes, have tiny molecules on their surface called neuroreceptors that are a perfect fit for neuropeptides. All of the monocytes have these receptor sites. The brain produces the neuropeptides, which are chains of amino acids, and conducts them along the nerve cells throughout the body. They are like the keys that fit into the molecular locks of every cell of the body. Dr. Pert has called them bits of brain floating through the body. The brain talks to the immune cells all over the body, and in turn, the immune system cells communicate back to the brain using these messengers called neuropeptides. If your brain interprets physical perceptions as anger, fear, or depression, Every immune cell of your body knows that interpretation very quickly, end of quote. If everything is made out of God's words, as the Bible clearly declares, then there should be evidence everywhere. Truly, the proof is ubiquitous. Watch and listen as spiritual words make physical substance and results. From the God Said, Man Said feature, Ship Come Alive. 39,154,267,815 new cells on board. In the book Switch on Your Brain, Dr. Caroline Leaf demonstrates the power of death and life that's in the tongue. Passages from Switch on Your Brain follow. You are a thinking being. You think all day long, and at night as you sleep, you sort out your thinking. As you think, you choose, and as you choose, you cause genetic expression to happen in your brain. This means you make proteins, and these proteins form your thoughts. Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Whatever you believe in and hope for becomes substance on a physical level, and you act upon this. This process can move in either direction, negative or positive. It is very interesting that every cell in the body is connected to the heart, and the brain controls the heart, and the mind controls the brain. So whatever we are thinking about infects every cell in our body. When you make a conscious decision to focus and direct your attention correctly, you change physical matter. Your brain and your body change in a healthy way. End of quotes. 
We are spoken into existence by God's words, and by design we completely interface with them for either good or evil. As we apply God's words to our life, the results are marvelous indeed. There is a spiritual biological reason. Those who attend church services two or more times per week live 11% longer. Dr. Leaf said, You live into your thoughts, and so it is. It's time to start a Holy Ghost dialogue. Words create physical changes, end of quotes. The science of epigenetics also addresses how words and particular deeds affect our lives, but usually this refers to words and deeds not initiated by us. The words and deeds committed by our ancestors, which directly affect us today for evil or for good up to the third or fourth generation. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Epigenetics and More Sins of the Father. The devastating effects of parental disobedience are far-reaching and just beginning to be seriously studied via the new science of epigenetics. This new science is turning old science on its head. Epigenetics is rewriting the rules of disease, heredity, and identity. The sins of the mother during pregnancy, birth, and onward into the child's development are somewhat well-known, such as passing on to her children venereal diseases, as well as the effects of alcohol, drugs, smoking, the lack of breastfeeding, and more. But the father seems to have escaped the scrutiny of the investigators. The headline in the March 29, 2008 issue of Science News reads, Dad's Hidden Influence. The subhead reads, A father's legacy to a child's health may start before conception and last generations. The following excerpts are from that feature article. How a man lives, where he works, or how old he is when his children are conceived doesn't affect their long-term health, scientists used to think. But growing evidence suggests that a father's age and his exposure to chemicals can leave a medical legacy that lasts generations. The author goes on to explain why dads haven't been held accountable. Since men make new sperm every 74 days, people use the reason the genetic slate is wiped clean every couple of months. And even if a man makes defective sperm, the all-or-nothing view of reproduction holds that damaged sperm don't fertilize eggs. No harm, no foul. So no one bothers to remind men to protect themselves against environmental toxins. There are no images of crack dads and crack babies in the media like those of women who harm developing fetuses with drug and alcohol use. Daniel said in February at a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science held in Boston, when someone does study fathers-to-be, the focus is usually on fertility, not on the consequences for children's health, she says. The article continues. Some animal studies showing paternal effects emerged years ago, but were roundly dismissed, says Gladys Frieder, professor emeritus at Boston University. Four decades ago, Frieder was studying tolerance to narcotics on the first steps of addiction to find out if a mother rat could pass tolerance on to her offspring, along with antibodies and other immune factors, as some scientists theorized. Freezer exposed female rats to morphine before pregnancy. Babies of exposed mothers were born much smaller than average, and those babies also went on to give birth to tiny babies, even though the offspring had never encountered the drug. Frieder also gave male rats morphine before they bred. To my total disbelief and bewilderment, paternal exposure also affected progeny, Frieder said at the AAAS meeting. 
Her advisor dismissed the result. Morphine doesn't cause mutations. So the idea that males could hand down a trait without passing along a mutation seemed preposterous. But in recent decades, scientists have discovered that chemical modifications to DNA and proteins can change the way genes are packaged and regulated without changing the genes themselves. Such modifications are known as epigenetic changes. Epigenetic modifications act as a molecular scrapbook preserving memories of events in parents' lives and handing them down to the next generation and beyond. There's a chromosomal memory, says Ann Ferguson Smith, a developmental geneticist at Cambridge University in England. The chromosomes remember whether they came from the mother or the father. Male mice exposed to cocaine, for, cocaine, for example, pass memory problems onto their pups. A 2006 study in neurotoxicology and teratology shows the male mice inhaled cocaine in long daily sessions akin to crack binges. When they mated with females never given coke, they had pups that had trouble learning and remembering where to find food in simple mazes. The problem was especially severe for female offspring. The researchers couldn't find any obvious DNA damage in the coke-smoking male sperm, but did find altered levels of two enzymes involved in the methylation of DNA and sperm-producing tissue of the father mice. The results suggest that epigenetic changes may be responsible for the offspring's behavior problems. He can prove that male rats exposed to a fungicide in the womb can pass tumors and diseases of the prostate and kidney down for at least three generations. The rats could provide the most model for how prostate disease is inherited, he says. But only male rats could pass along the defects. The exposed rats bequeathed their fungicide legacy to their sons, grandsons, and great-grandsons, even though none of the later generations were exposed to the chemical, end quote. In the April 6, 2013 issue of Science News, published a mild, uh, a multi-page feature titled From Great-Grandmother to You, with a subhead which reads, Epigenetic Changes Reach Down Through the Generations. A few excerpts uh, follow. Their very name, epigenetic, literally means over and above or beyond genetics. When these changes are inherited, scientists have found the implications can be staggering. Part of your risk of disease may be determined by what your great-grandparents ate, not just the genes they passed on. Investigating how those marks travel to future generations is a new twist in the field of epigenetics. Originally, epigenetics researchers focused on the developmental processes that allow individual cells to specialize despite the fact that all the cells have the same DNA. It turned out that chemical tags that get stuck to DNA or to the proteins around which DNA is wound can influence gene activity without altering the genes themselves, end the quote. In September 29, 2020 feature on her website, Dr. Caroline Leaf interviews Dr. Rudolf Tanzi, Harvard professor and founder of the field of neurogenetics, who was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. The following paragraphs are from that feature. As Dr. Tenzi points out, you are not your brain, you are the user of your brain. Every choice you make determines the experiences you have, and every experience you have will condition your genetic expression. Your habits and lifestyle come from programs of genes which you can control. 
Yes, there are gene mutations that take many, many years, but your experiences also change the way you express your genes. This is called epigenetics. Basically, this means that although you, although you are born with certain genes, you get to sculpt many of these genes and how they express themselves through your lifestyle, habits, and choices. You have a lot of control over your biology. Indeed, 90%, 97%, excuse me, of your genetic history is not written in stone. It is amenable to your sculpting. What does this look like on a day-to-day -day basis? If you are constantly creating an environment of physical stress in the brain and body, your genes will adapt. Very soon, your genetic environment will be hurting you every day instead of healing you because your genes are responding to how you live your life. Although your DNA stays the same, your gene expression program will start changing when you start making different choices. You are essentially genetically reprogramming yourself. When you choose to stand outside yourself, observe your thinking and choices, and change the way you live your life. Why is this so important? As Dr. Tanzi notes from his research, we pass on an epigenetic modifications we are making to our offspring. For instance, we can inherit the phobias of our parents based on their own life experiences and choices. The way we choose to live our lives now can impact future generations. End of quote. The power of death and life is in the tongue. Everything is made out of words. Words are spiritual, and they affect all life at the molecular level. Again, Dr. Leaf writes on March 4, 2021, The science of epigenetics shows that our thoughts can control our biology, and we can control our thoughts positively directing genetic expression in our body and passing these genetic markers through generations. Especially, essentially this means, that what you are thinking at any one moment is vitally important because your thoughts affect the signals your genes receive. By managing your mind, you are in, in fact managing these signals and how they impact your genetic expression and biology. So how does this all work? Epigenetics shows us that our thoughts are a predominant factor controlling genetic expression. Our minds control what we think, eat, exercise, respond to, and so on. It controls how we live our lives. Epigenetics shows us that how we think, feel, and choose, our mind and action, will influence the behavior of our genes and our subsequent mental and physical well-being. These epigenetic changes represent a biology response to an environmental signal. The response can be inherited through the generations via epigenetic markers. However, if you remove the signal, the epigenetic mark can fade. If you choose to add a signal, on the other hand, the epigenetic mark can be activated. In some, we are not merely our genes and biology. Our past doesn't have to be our destiny. What you are thinking at any one moment is vitally important because this is the signal your genes receive. This means when you learn how to manage your thoughts through managing your mind, you can change your thoughts. And by changing your thoughts, you can change your genetic expression. You rewrite your brain through neuroplasticity, which then impacts your biology. End of quote. These excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature epigenetics and more sins of the father. The sins of one's parents being passed down to the third and fourth generation is somewhat disturbing. The idea of being handcuffed to another's deeds is not new to students of the scriptures. 
It began when Adam and Eve sold their progeny, you and me, to sin. Each of us inherited that carnal, sinful nature, but God sent Jesus Christ to break the chains of our bondage. Jesus calls it born again. Through this life-transforming process, we are literally born a second time, this time of the Spirit, and become sons and daughters of the living God. All the chains of carnal inheritance, even epigenetic ones, are broken, and a full purging and renewal process begins. End of quote. The headline, July 2022 issue of Scientific American reads, Trauma in the Family Tree. The subhead of the article reads, Parents' adverse experience leaves biological traces in children. Excerpts follow. In the decades since first studying the effects of PTSD in babies born to mothers who had firsthand exposure to 2001 September 11 terror attacks, research by my group and others have confirmed that adverse experiences may influence the next generation through multiple pathways. The most apparent route runs through parental behavior, but influences during gestation and even changes in eggs and sperm may also play a role. And all of these channels seem to involve epigenetics, alterations in the way that genes function. Epigenetics potentially explains why effects of trauma may endure long after the immediate threat is gone, and it is also implicit in the diverse pathways by which trauma is transmitted to future generations. Epigenetics explore the switches that turn gene expression on and off. One such mechanism, called methylation, involves a methyl group, a methane molecule, that is missing one of its four hydrogen atoms, leaving a chemical bond free to attach to another atom or molecule. Methylation is a process by which, in the presence of specific enzymes, methyl groups attach to key sites on a strand of DNA or within the complex of DNA and proteins known as chromatin. By occupying these sites like roadblocks on a highway, methyl groups can alter transcription, a basic step in gene expression, where a piece of RNA is made from a DNA template. Increased methylation generally impedes RNA transcription whereas less methylation enhances transcription. These changes are enduring in that they survive normal cell division and require specific enzymes for their removal. These findings raise the possibility that PTSD in mothers and fathers might lead to different genetic changes on the glucocorticoid receptor in children. It suggests that trauma might have affected the mother's eggs decades before her children were conceived while she was herself a child. Given the obvious difficulties in studying generations of people, scientists often research to uh, often resort, excuse me, to animal studies to explore epigenetic transmission. In 2014, Brian Diaz and Carrie Ressler, both at the Emory University School of Medicine, reported an intergenerational epigenetic pathway that ran through sperm. They gave a male mouse a mild electric shock as it smelled a cherry blossom scent stimulating a fear response to the odor. The response was accompanied by epigenetic changes in its brain and sperm. Intriguingly, the male offspring of the shocked mice demonstrated a similar fear of cherry blossoms, as well as epigenetic changes in their brain and sperm, without being exposed to the shock. These effects were passed down for two generations. In other words, the lesson the grandfather mouse learned that the cherry blossom scent means danger, was transmitted to its son 
and grandson. Moreover, some of those uh, stress-related and intergenerational changes may be reversible. Several years ago, we discovered that combat veterans with PTSD who benefited from cognitive behavioral psychotherapy showed treatment-induced changes in FKBP5 methylation. FKBP5 is a gene which encodes a protein regulating the ability to bind cortisol, the stress hormone. The finding confirmed that healing is also reflected in epigenetic change, and Diaz and Ressler reconditioned their mice to lose their fear of cherry blossoms. This offspring conceived after this treatment did not have the cherry blossom epigenetic alteration, nor did they fear the scent. Preliminary as they are, such findings represent an important frontier in, psychothi- in psych- uh, psychiatry and may suggest new avenues for treatment. End of quote. God's word is true. The sins of the father and mother pass on generation- generationally up to the third and fourth generation, just like God declared thousands of years ago. The miraculous power to rewrite deadly epigenetic tags belongs to the blood bot. Next week, watch as God's glorious tools of deliverance are harnessed for action. It all begins at born again. Imagine, it is entirely a word issue. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Ain't it so hallelujah so? Thousands of years before science begins to discover the reason why, God's children of faith are already there. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. Born again. That's a big, big deal. God said, Exodus 34, verse 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and they will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. God said, Romans, verse 12, chapter 12, excuse me, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God said, Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Man said, I'm the captain of my ship. I direct my own course, not some old men making wacky claims of writing the words of God some thousands of years ago. Forget God. Who needs him? Oh, oh, by the way, I'll be gone for a while. I'm taking a sabbatical to find myself. Now you have the record.